0: Uh, 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 (coughs) Mm. Future President Kanye West lashes out at Candace Owens, saying he's been used to push a political message he doesn't support. Paul Ryan lashes out at President Trump over birthright citizenship, and Don Lemon lashes out at white men. Meanwhile, Americans donate $600,000 to Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh for some reason, Democrats can't win for losing, and Jon Stewart slams the media. I'm Brett Kavanaugh, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. It's Halloween. It's Halloween, Senya. It's Halloween. Yeah, I like Halloween. I still like Halloween, okay? I, I eat candy. I would eat candy with my friends. Okay, sometimes... We would eat candy. Sometimes we would eat too much candy. And our stomachs would hurt and our bellies would ache. And, and our teeth would rot and we would go to the dentist. Do you go to the dentist, Senya? Have you ever been? What, when do you go to? What dentist do you go to? I like Halloween. I still like Halloween. I like candy. We have a lot to get to today. We have a whole lot to get to on today's show. <laughs> we've got We've got Kanye. We've got... <laughs> I thought I would make it through more of that. Sad, to quote a great man, sad. Uh, First, before we can get into all of it, I've gotta make a little money, honey, and let's talk about Pair of Thieves. You know that I regularly invite you into my boudoir. Well, now I'm going to invite you, (laughs) even more intimately than that, to tell you about my favorite boxers ever on average, men keep their underwear for seven long years until they are a tattered shell of what they once were. Don't be that guy. pair of thieves is the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn hands down. Their proprietary moisture wicking fabric keeps you cool and fresh. I'll let you use your imagination on that. It's proprietary in the sense that uh, competition has been trying to copy these guys for four years and they have failed. By the way, this is the best point on it all. One of the guys who started pair of thieves says that all All his wife ever wants to see him in is a pair of their super fit briefs. And that man's wife is Jessica Alba. It's a true story. Uh, tr- so Jessica Alba likes them. They're good enough for Alba. They should be good enough for you. Try them out if they're not instantly your favorite pair of underwear, as they are Jessica Alba's. They will give you your money back. For a limited time this month only, our listeners get 20% off their first order. These boxers are unbelievable. Get them. I love them. I wear them all the time. 20% off is a great deal. Pairofthieves.com slash Knowles, 20% off when you go to Pairofthieves.com slash Knowles, this month only. Pairofthieves.com slash Knowles, K N O W L E S. I like Pair of Thieves. I still like Pair of Thieves. You know, sometimes I wear them too much. <laughs> and, then, and then they send me more and I get to wear different ones. So Kanye West is coming out now and he says that he feels that he has been used to spread a political message that he does not believe in. That's what he says. And that's the headline you've seen. The headline that you've seen everywhere Kanye West feels used, leaves politics they would have you believe that he's taken off the MAGA hat, burning it in a pile, that he's leaving the Republican Party, he regrets everything he said. Nothing could be further from the truth. What Kanye tweeted out is, quote, My eyes are now wide open and now realize I've been used to spread messages I don't believe in. I am distancing myself from politics and completely focusing on being creative. Okay, that's fine. Obviously, this guy's been getting so much hate ever since the Oval Office meeting, even before that. Remember that video of TMZ sitting there saying, take the hat off. Don't wear the hat. He said, I love wearing the hat. You can't make me take the hat off. So he's been doing that, and now the media are running with this right before the midterms. They're saying Kanye is turning his back on Trump. Except you've got to read down the line. As you know, all of these mainstream media articles, they will occasionally put some true things in there, but they bury them at paragraph 75. So in the reporting on this, what you may have missed is, is this quote from TMZ. Kanye contacted us to make it clear he did not mention Donald Trump in his tweets, and he's getting out of politics altogether. They go on. As for being used, he says he was specifically referring to Blexit, and that's it. He was specifically referring to this new clothing line that Candace Owens is releasing about black people leaving the Democrat party. He, he made quite clear he was not talking about Trump. He's not talking about himself being a Republican or him supporting the president. He is simply talking about the Blexit line of clothing that Candace Owens has released. Uh, okay. Now, Candace, I I texted Candace once uh, Kanye tweeted about how he loves her thinking. I texted her and I said, I know the process for canonization takes a very long time. It's usually after someone dies, but you can be up for sainthood now because she has influenced the biggest pop star in the world into supporting the Republican president. That's a great thing. And And he still seems to support the Republican president. It's like the beer thing. I still, I like, I like Donald Trump. I still like Donald Trump, but he doesn't like his face being on this Blexit campaign. That's fine. That's his right. And you know, Democrats buy records too. Probably more Democrats buy pop records than Republicans. So he's got to watch out a little bit. Totally get it. Kanye is completely within his rights to do that. This has some conservatives saying that we never should have rejoiced when Kanye went to the Oval Office in the first place. Don't play around with Kanye. You can't play around with Kanye now and then be sad when he turns his back on you or turns his back on some part of the conservative movement or whatever. Yes, we can. Why not? Why not? First of all, what he's saying here is that he doesn't want to be associated with this one little t-shirt campaign. And he's making clear that he still likes being associated with the president he still likes Trump. Okay. But also, it's fine to take the win. It's fine. To, when Kanye West came out there, biggest pop star in the world, came out and said, I love Trump. That's a huge win for conservatives on the culture and and politically. It, it, in, in so much as Kanye West has influence over people, he will now influence them to support the Republican president. That's great. And then he comes out and says something else. Who cares? Who cares? And we can just move on. Man, this is really... Mm. <laughs> don't, don't typically have beer at uh, noon, but that's fine. That's five o'clock somewhere probably. Uh, that's absolutely fine. We can, we can celebrate that. I know uh, the, the thing that's driving this is people want politics to be like philosophy. People want politics to be just like it is in theory, and it has to be absolutely perfect. Let's not let the perfect get in the way of the good. That's one of the lessons of the Trump era. President Trump comes out. He ostensibly has no coherent conservative political philosophy. He hasn't been steeped in the Heritage Foundation luncheons. He probably hasn't read a lot of Edmund Burke or Michael Oakeshott or Russell Kirk or Hayek or what all of those books that you're supposed to read to be the young conservative. Who cares? He's working in practice. And when he stops working, when he says something that's bad, when he goes off the deep end, then we can say, okay, we got good stuff, now we're going to move on. That's how we can be about Kanye. Like Kanye, Kanye can go do whatever he wants. He can make more videos in those weird suits, singing the most horrific things I've ever heard in a song. That's fine. He can go do that. He already helped us out a little bit, and uh, and let's just take the win. Let's just accept that win and move on. There are other uh, other battles to fight. One of those battles is coming up right now, which is this battle over birthright citizenship. So, uh, birth birthright citizenship has. Uh, uh, been long debated in American history. Uh, the legal question here comes from uh, a case before the Supreme Court in 1898 called U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark over whether a child born to legal permanent residence in the United States would have U.S. citizenship. And it was ruled that yes, he would have U.S. citizenship. Um, it, this doesn't touch on illegal aliens and the, the legal question over whether Uh, illegal aliens and the children of illegal aliens should have birthright citizenship is much more confused than that and much more hotly debated. There are two aspects to the question, the legal and the political. uh, On the legal question, now it's being brought up. Now we're debating it. We're debating whether or not the 14th Amendment first of all, says that illegal aliens get birthright citizenship, whether the 14th Amendment should say that, whether Congress has the right to uh, to explain what the 14th Amendment says, as has been the case before when Congress uh, changed the status of Native Americans, for instance, under the 14th Amendment. So maybe Congress has some right to do it. And President Trump, in his theatrical way, is now bringing that issue to the forefront. So People, uh, they're getting bogged down. Even conservatives are getting bogged down. They're saying, he can't do it. He can't change birthright citizenship by executive order. Okay. Sure, fine. That's fine. Maybe he can, not maybe he can, maybe he can. At least he's bringing it up. You know, so we talked about the legal question. The, the political question is at play here, and that is how Donald Trump is thinking. I don't think that he's studied constitutional law for a decade, but he's very good at politics and the media aspect of politics. And on this political question, the left has immediately handed Trump a win. The second that he said he might end birthright citizenship by executive order, and they all lost their minds, They handed him the win. They handed conservatives a win right before the midterm elections. Why? Because now, for the American people, they are watching the Democratic Party say that we do not support enforcing the law, We essentially support open borders. We're going to prioritize the demands of foreign nationals over what American citizens want. Illegal immigration is intensely unpopular in the United States, not just on the right, but on the left as well, not just among Republicans, but among Democrats as well. And Donald Trump taunts them into defending the indefensible. Don't take my word for it. Here is Harry Reid, former majority leader of the, De- the Senate majority leader of the Democrats. Law, I mean, I think he's been a Democrat politician since probably since 1898, probably since the Wong Kim Ark case. Here is Harry Reid in 1993 explaining his position and the position at that time of the Democratic Party on birthright citizenship and illegal immigration. If making it easy to be an illegal alien isn't enough, how about offering a reward for being an illegal immigrant? No no sane country would do that, right? Guess again. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child, we reward that child with US citizenship and guarantee a full access to all public and social services this society provides. And that's a lot of services. Is it any wonder that two-thirds of the babies born at taxpayer expense at country-county-run hospitals in Los Angeles are born to illegal alien mothers? That guy sounds further to the right than Donald Trump does. And that guy is was the head of the Democrat Party for a very long time. The head of Senate Democrats for a very long time. A lot has changed since 1993. I don't think the the feeling of the country really has changed. What has changed is that the Democrat Party is now beholden to the extreme left, the extreme left-wing base, which is typically the... socialist white liberals like uh, Liz Warren, like Liawatha. Watha. This puts them at odds on a number of questions with uh, uh, I- identity politics groups, the groups that they have cultivated through identity politics to uh, to vote consistently to elect Democrats. A lot of the policies that are favored by the leadership of the Democrat party are deeply unpopular among huge swaths of the Democrat electorate black voters and Hispanic voters in particular, which is why you're seeing something of a realignment, which is why you're seeing, according to Rasmussen, 40% of black Americans having a favorable view of the Republican president. This is basically an unheard of number, and other polls back this up. This is why you're seeing support among Hispanics for Republicans surging. It's why you see Donald Trump doing so well. He identifies these issues and he goes for wedge issues. Skilled politicians know this, especially when you get close to election time, you've got to try to identify wedges that can separate a politician from a politician's supporters. Illegal immigration is a perfect one, especially with this caravan hurtling toward the the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, in the heat of all of this, Paul Ryan has come out and he has said, absolutely not, we can't, oh, you know, I'll let Paul Ryan say it himself. Well, you obviously cannot do that. Uh, you cannot end birthright citizenship with an executive order. We didn't like it when Obama tried changing immigration laws via executive action, and obviously, as conservatives, um, you know, we believe in, in in the Constitution. You know, as a conservative, I'm a believer in following the plain text of the Constitution, and I think in this case, the Fourteenth Amendment is pretty clear, um, and that would involve a very, very lengthy constitutional process. But where we obviously totally agree with the president is getting at the root issue here, which is um, unchecked illegal immigration. Absolutely right absolutely right that what we have to do is get down to the issue of unchecked illegal immigration. He's not exactly right on this first part, by the way, where he says that the plain text of the constitution is clear that the 14th amendment offers birthright citizenship to illegal aliens. By the way, even I was reading through the Wong Kim Ark decision that we talked about earlier. I was reading through that today. Even Wong Kim Kim Ark is far from clear on this question. And, uh, Uh, perhaps we should do an entire episode on this because it's a little complicated. But uh, what you're going to hear from the left over the next few days is that the the issue was decided most spectacularly by Wong Kim Ark and that isn't true because in the discussions in that decision you'll see uh, questions being raised as to what happens to the children of hostile or invading powers, people that shouldn't be there who are in the country illegally. And it seems actually pretty clear from that decision that those people do not uh, have citizenship. that the, the, uh, and, and when we inherit this right and this concept from the British, that this was the case uh, in Britain as well. So we've got to thank our sponsor and make a little money, honey, and uh, instill some gratitude in the United States with Operation Gratitude. Uh, Operation American Gratitude is so good. It's an organization that was founded uh, when the founder heard a Vietnam veteran say in a podcast that he had never been welcomed home in 50 years since returning to Vietnam. Uh, so the goal here is to deliver thank-you cards to 2 million Vietnam veterans over the last five year, next five years and place a you-are-not-forgotten card on every Vietnam War memorial in America. By the, by the way, when you involve your kids in these projects, you teach them about patriotism, sacrifice, and gratitude. I think it's a terrific program. We talk about all those things on the show a lot, and we need a lot more of it in the country. We don't need people protesting the American flag. We need people going out and thanking veterans. Uh, so you will get, in your uh, RaisingAmericans.com Operation American Gratitude Package. Thank you cards for five Vietnam veterans in your hometown. An interview card, a you are not forgotten card, a POW MIA card to remember more than 1,600 men missing in action, a 58-220 card to honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice. 100% of the profits from Operation American Gratitude goes toward building the Freedom Never Sleeps Business Training Center in beautiful Eagle, Idaho. What a name. Uh, Which is an on-site six-month paid entrepreneurship program. You can make uh, Vietnam veterans' lives a little bit better. You can teach little Americans gratitude all for less than 20 bucks. Better yet, uh, when you uh, participate with Operation American Gratitude, it makes you 50% more likely to meet George Washington in heaven. This is guaranteed. Um, Go right now to raisingamericans.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Buy your Operation American Gratitude kit. Raisingamericans.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. God bless America. When you look at the issue is obviously much more complicated and you can't fit it into a five-second soundbite, but suffice it to say, It is not plain text. It is not plainly clear from the 14th Amendment. The issue is far from decided, and it should be decided, either by the courts or by the American people. Ultimately, probably these things have to be decided by the American people, um, but there are different ways to do that, all of which is to say that we should defend Paul Ryan coming out there and expressing his point of view, because this is the theatrics. This was the point. This is what, we, you know, are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? We are how many days out now from the midterm elections? Midterm elections are on Tuesday, less than a week away. Six days days away now. We are seeing the final fireworks. It's why President Trump released this a few days ago on Axios HBO. It's why we're all talking about it now. It's why you're seeing fireworks on the left and the right. This is an issue that really fires up Americans broadly and especially conservatives in the Republican base. And he's bringing it up because it will spark a legitimate discussion. So President Trump, in his typical Trumpy way, fired back. He said, quote, Paul Ryan should be focusing on holding the majority rather than giving his opinions on birthright citizenship, something he knows nothing about. Our new Republican majority will work on this, closing the immigration loopholes and securing our border. Okay, typical Trump, right? He, he says to his opponents, even his opponents who are technically on the same side as him, you don't know anything, I know everything, and blah, 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 and it's bluster, and it's this, and it's that, and it's so entertaining, we can't help but watch it. And it's focusing our attention on an issue where our attention should be focused to maximize our chances of maintaining the Republican majority, which Trump, is, or which Trump has mentioned in that tweet. And it shows a, a legitimate disagreement and a legitimate debate that we can have. Can President Trump reinterpret or clarify the 14th Amendment through executive order? Probably not. Probably he can't do it because what's going to happen is some court is going to put a hold on it and then it's going to work its way up through the court. It'll be perhaps decided by the Supreme Court. Perhaps not. Perhaps Congress will intervene and uh, explain uh, explain this provision b- beforehand. They'll explain it and uh, perhaps they'll get away with that. Perhaps that will be challenged by the courts. It'll work its way up to the courts. We are far from a solution on this issue, but at least now we're having a legitimate debate. It's a, this is a big winner issue and just pay attention to the, to the theatrics of it. You know, we elected President Trump because we couldn't stop watching the show right? He was the most interesting guy, Well, very often the most interesting guy gets elected president anyway, but we just wanted to see what comes next. We wanted to see that next episode, and we want to see the next episode here, not just for the fights, but for The next next episode of what our constitution means, whether we are one of the few countries on the face of the earth to grant birthright citizenship to illegal aliens. Maybe uh, we just want to see what happens. And And the mainstream media are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. We have had some of the greatest media fails just in the past week. If you missed this clip, I think this is finally evidence that Don Lemon is working for the GOP, that he's working for the conservative movement. I, you know, he, when you watch him, you think, this guy is so absurd. This guy is so self-humiliating, self-beclowning. There's no way that he's very earnest. I'm now convinced of it. He's a GOP operative. Take it away, Don Lemon. We have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right. And we have to start doing something about them. There is no travel ban on them. There is no ban on, you know, they have the Muslim ban. There is no white guy ban. So what do we do about that? You know, we have to stop drinking beer and we have to remember that beer is delicious and quenches your thirst. And that's why we have to stop drinking beer. You know, that is what he just said. He said, we have to stop demonizing people and remember that white men are evil. We have to stop demonizing people and we need a travel ban on white men. By the way, I don't think a travel ban is going to do a lot. The white men are already here. The white men are in your midst. They are already in the country. Uh, Obviously, who knows even where to begin on this? Because just on the point, I, I hate even to bring it up, but Don Lemon brought it up, so I have to answer. Just on the point, he's saying that the great terror threat in America is from white men. Any way you slice that assertion, it is patently false. There is just no evidence for it whatsoever. To begin, violent crime is at 30-year lows. There are actually a number of studies that show that people year over year always think that crime is increasing. I think it's just the bias of living in the present and of watching media and reading the newspapers. Violent crime is at 30-year lows. That said, when you just talk about terrorism, there have been 97 Islamic terrorist attacks in the U.S. since September 11th. Now, fortunately, some of those have been thwarted, like the the car and knife plot at Ohio State in 2016. Many of those have not been thwarted, like the Pulse nightclub shooting, which was done in the name of ISIS and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. But 97 Islamic terrorist attacks in the U.S. since 9-11. How many terrorist attacks by white guys? I'm not saying none. There have been a couple. There was that kid who shot up the black church. You remember him? That seemed to have been a terrorist attack. We, we have to define our terms, too. Terrorism has a meaning. Terrorism is when you target civilians to advance a political agenda. That's why we have the Geneva Conventions, is to protect civilians. That's why terrorists are not covered by Geneva Convention protections, because terrorists undermine those, those very protections, those very incentives. Terrorists target civilians to advance a political agenda. So maybe that kid uh, who shot up the black church could be a terrorist attack. Maybe a few others. Some are just uh, what would be called hate crimes. Some don't really have a political agenda. They just, you know, a guy in Pittsburgh hates Jews. I can't exactly see what his political agenda is. I'm not sure that he exactly has one. I suppose it's debatable. But that, that is just a horrific crime. The Islamic terrorist attacks are there to advance a political agenda, to advance a terrorist organization that seeks political goals, that seeks the conquest of territory, the Islamic State, and its various uh, agencies. So uh, on that point, obviously, it's absurd. But let's say that Don Lemon is speaking just about murder or something, just about killing broadly, and and that's why they're the source of terror. According to the FBI in 2016, in the year 2016, I think that's the most recent we have numbers for, around 1,400 murderers in the United States were non-Hispanic whites. Around 1,700 murderers were black. Uh, now, obviously, uh, 12% of the population is black. 80, uh, Not 88% of the population is white, but a majority of the population is white. So the uh, murder rate among uh just among black, black people is significantly higher. Now, a lot of this is gang related. A lot of this is in particular hotbeds of crime. I am not suggesting any racial correlation, any innate aspect of race that causes criminality. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm responding to Don Lemon. Who is suggesting that? Who brought it up? And uh, one has to respond to it because his claim is so wildly absurd. But just consider how race obsessed the left is now that we're even having this discussion. What are the causes of crime? The causes of crime are evil. What are the what are the causes of evil? Well, there's the personification of evil, and then there are people who, through bad culture, through bad character, through bad situations, through bad family experiences, ha, are more likely and more prone to fall into that sort of evil. Uh, But Don Lemon goes right for race. And the left broadly goes right for race. Obviously, Don Lemon is not a serious person. Don Lemon is the guy, when that Malaysian jetliner went down in 2014, you remember it was this bizarre mystery. Nobody knew where the Malaysian jet was. It was Don Lemon who went on television and suggested that there was a supernatural cause, that the jetliner was abducted by aliens or something. We have known for at least four years that Don Lemon is not a serious person. But it's very easy to mock him and other media figures when they're suggesting that E.T. abducted a jetliner full of 200 people. It's a little more frustrating when he starts spouting just sheer racism, sheer uninformed racism on CNN. But that's the left for you. And he's not the only one. Not to be outdone on racism, somebody who has a lot more to lose, Joe Donnelly in a very tight race, Senate Democrat, a really, really tight, statistically dead heat in Indiana. Listen to what Joe Donnelly thinks about race. Senator. We want everybody to have a chance in Indiana and in America. And my offices reflect that both on the campaign side and on the Senate side. Our state director is Indian American. But he does an amazing job. Our director of all constituent services, she's African-American. But she does an even more incredible job than you could ever imagine. I, I could imagine it, <laughs> Joe Donnelly. Uh, it's actually, to me, it, it doesn't seem bizarre or out of the realm of possibility that a black woman could do a good job. I think that's perfectly to be expected. But to you, pal, it's, it's absurd that a black woman could do a good job. What does he say? He says, you know, our director of this and that, he's an Indian American, but he, he's one of the good ones. But he does an amazing job as though the expectation is that an Indian can't do anything right. I only know of one Indian who can't do anything right, and her name is Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> All of the other Indians I know are perfectly competent people, perfectly intelligent. And th- the way that you know that this wasn't just a, a slip of the tongue, that this was a little bit more like a Freudian slip, where you say one thing but mean your mother, the way that you know that this was more of a Freudian slip is he did it twice in a row. He doubled down on it. He, somehow he didn't hear himself saying, well, he's an Indian, but... Butts negate sentences, buddy. <laughs> but subvert your expectations. Uh, well, and she's an African American, but she does a very good job. A much better job than you could ever imagine. Than some people could ever imagine. Fine. This is pretty devastating because again, look, Don Lemon is not a serious person. CNN is not a serious news outlet. So when they push this sensationalist, racist drivel and slander, it's what we expect. They're behaving how, how we expect them to. But Joe Donnelly is supposed to be a skilled politician who's in a very tight race, who's in the, the fight of his political career now in Indiana. We'll see if he can preserve it on Tuesday. And then to come out with that statement, it's so sloppy. It's so lazy. And maybe it reflects what he actually believes. Because if that wasn't enough, let's forget about Don Lemon. Let's forget about Joe Donnelly, those pipsqueaks, that minor league... Let's go right to the queen bee herself, Hillary Clinton, in conversation at the 92nd Street Y with her opinion on black people. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you feel free Oh, to I, I adore no, him. What do you think about him saying, kick them in the shins, essentially, start to get to that kind of political... Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Carole Holder. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. No, they, they don't. don't. Oh, well done. You know, Hillary... If you weren't able to see that, I can just do the impression for you of Hillary. She goes, well, I know they all look alike. (laughs) What? What? And she flies off on her broomstick. They're all laughing, and the whole crowd is laughing. Oh ha ha ha. Look, I've been to a lot of events at the 92nd Street Y. The 92nd Street Y in Manhattan is where all of the cultural sophisticated people go. You know, they all have glasses that look like this, and they all drink Chablis and they go there and listen to it. they probably watch TED Talks, you know, that kind of thing. They're all left of Lenin. They're all laughing. Oh ha, 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 oh Hillary, you made a good joke. What's interesting about this joke, look, she made a joke, and she's making a joke about this other woman who can't, or who is confusing two very different black men. Uh, okay, she's kind of making the joke on the other woman. Hillary's been here before. She's made some of these racial jokes before, and they've fallen flat, so I'm confused as to why she would keep doing it. A few years ago, she went on stage with New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, and they made a joke about how they showed up late because they were running on CP time said, see, Pete, you mean colored people time? And she says, no, cautious politician time. Ha ha ha. The joke being that, uh, that black people show up late. Okay, this fell flat, apologies were demanded. And then she made this one again. And this joke wasn't scripted. This one just kind of came from her. And she said, oh, I know they all look alike, don't they? Ha ha ha. I, I'm not hitting her for making a racial joke I actually think the world would be a lot better off if we felt more comfortable making racial jokes about everybody, about black people, Italian people, Irish. But I think it, it's a little looser. People people always kind of laugh and giggle at these jokes in private. You know, the you make a joke, for like, for instance, when you make a joke about an Irishman drinking a little too much, people laugh about them in private, and then they have to pretend that they don't laugh about them in the public, and they're very solemn. I think we would be better off if we could all loosen up a little bit. But... It's Hillary Clinton. It's the Democratic Party. It's the left that is pushing this neo-Puritanism. Who's calling President Trump racist. I mean, Hillary Clinton herself calls Donald Trump racist. They're calling him a bigot. They're calling him an anti-Semite. They're calling him all of these things. They're the one making these comments. They're the one saying that uh, black, it's surprising when black people do a good job. It's surprising when Indians do a good job. Black people all look alike. They're the ones making these comments. Don Lemon over there, so race obsessed. And and this, by the way, is why they're so fluent in white nationalism. You know, they see white nationalists everywhere. White nationalism, which is a contradiction in terms, there has never been a nation of the whites. There is a capital W whites. Actually, one of the arguments against nationalism is that in the white continent, in Europe, there are so many different peoples and so many different nations that they're always fighting and killing each other, so we need to unify them in some way. Ironically, uh, white nationalism is anti-nationalist, uh, but I digress. The reason that the left is so fluent in what all of these racist people say, Richard Spencer, David Duke, uh, all, all of these these comments on in the sewers of the internet where 50 people read what the blogs say, is because they themselves are obsessed with race. It's all they can possibly see. And conservatives don't really pay attention to it. How many conservatives do you know who could explain what the alternative right is? You know, I did a video for Prager about the alternative right. I had to really research it. I had to dig pretty far down and read certain books and read this and that because we just don't see it. We don't talk about it. We don't think in that way at all. But the left, because the alternative right is a mirror image of the left and the left's identity politics, they're fluent in it. They talk about it all the time. They can rattle off what they, these people say on their message boards and in their blog posts and wherever, because they're so fluent because it's so similar to the left. It's really bizarre, you know. And, and the media and Democrats here are making they're, they're humiliating themselves because they automatically hate. Anything that Trump does, anything that Trump does, they have to react against and and they get really tribal about it. They get really tribal, they get really uh, protective of each other, and they humiliate themselves. You know, when you get angry, you get mad and you get stupid. I know you're on the edge of your seat because Jon Stewart did something right. You can only see it if you go to dailywire.com. What do you get? You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin show, you get the Ben Shapiro show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get to ask questions in the conversation that's coming up and get your mailbag questions in soon. None of that matters because you get a Leftist Tears tumbler. Now, I don't have my Leftist Tears tumbler today because I like beer, and I still like beer. I like beer, and sometimes I drink a little too much beer. Well, you know what? Sometimes I drink a little too much Leftist Tears, and I get very dehydrated because they're extremely salty. So you need balance in your life, but go because it's the only FDA-approved vessel to hold those salty and delicious Leftist Tears. We will be right back. Stay tuned for a lot more. John Stewart gets this completely right on the media. I know, it's shocking. He, d- he About once a year, John Stewart would get something right when he was on TV. He's not on TV anymore, uh, but he gets this right. He's talking to CNN about how the media are reacting to Trump, how they're covering Trump, how they're being triggered by Trump, and he puts it right in their face. Here he is. So, Do you think, because obviously we're all caught up in this sort of daily Trump fest, I mean every single newspaper, every radio station, every bit of social media. You gotta make money too. Well, it's dissecting. You got got bills to pay, man. You got electric bills, you got food. You know, this guy is, he's giving you all cash. The cash flow in the Trump era for for these TV stations and for these- can, can I say, that might have been an issue and yeah. maybe it still is an issue for the people who are the bean counters, but we, yeah. the journalists, we, I think, believe that our job is to navigate the truth and to do the fact checking and all the rest of it. So I think that's what motivates a lot people. But I think the people. journalists have taken it personally. Okay, They're that's personally true. wounded and offended by this man. He baits them and they dive in. And what he's done well, I thought, is appeal to their own narcissism, to their own ego. Because what he says is these are the and the journalists stand up and say, we are noble. We are honorable. How dare you, sir? And they take it personally. Exactly right. Just think of Jim Acosta. When, when was the last time that Jim Acosta wasn't looking in a mirror? Because when he's on camera, you know, the camera lens is a little mirror. He can see himself. I think when that camera goes off, he immediately just turns to the mirror. He says, oh, there you are, Jim. There, you're a great American. You're strong. You're good enough, smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. That is what the media have become because they've made it all about themselves. One of the rules in journalism is you're supposed to not make yourself the story. You are not the story. You're supposed to be covering the story. But because these people are all narcissistic bobbleheads, they make themselves the story. They want to be the center of attention. And Donald Trump is more than happy to oblige because the American people don't like these news anchors. They don't like Jim Acosta. They don't like them one little bit. They don't like people going on television and telling them they're being objective, and actually just spewing left-wing propaganda. The American people don't like it when you boof on their leg and tell them that it's windy. They don't want this one little bit. Boof, boof, Senator. It's flatulence. We were 16, Senator. That's what it is. That's how you define it. They don't don't like that either. I mean, they don't like it to become a circus. They don't want their politics to be made into a circus. And he, he recognizes that. And the other thing Stewart recognizes is that the media secretly love Donald Trump because he makes them so much money. And this is why, as we go into the midterms, I think conservatives have their priorities in order. I think they saw the lynch mob that went after Brett Kavanaugh. They've seen the tremendous gains of the Trump era economically and foreign policy, judicially. And they're saying, we want more of this. And they're shutting out the noise. They're putting on their blinders. They're going in. They're going to get the job done. The left has been really distracted, whipped into a frenzy, and it's because they believe the mainstream media who are milking them to make money. There is a compilation online. It goes on for several minutes. I'll just give you the first little taste of it. This goes chronologically from August 2017 up through the present day. Just listen to how MSNBC, CNN, all of these other networks are covering President Trump and the White House day to day, beginning in August 2017. This is the tipping point. I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. This is the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day, and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This this is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen anything like this? His presidency is crippled. December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. We begin with the bombshell. The beginning <laughs> of the end? Is it the beginning of the end? What is it? Is it the beginning of the end? It's Now it's the middle of the end. Because the beginning of the end was, I guess, in August 2017. Then September was still the beginning of the end. Then October was the middle of the beginning of the end. Then November, then December. The video goes on for two more minutes, probably. I couldn't even. That just takes you to December 2017. That takes you to basically a year ago. They keep promising this is the end. This is the beginning of the end for Trump, breaking bombshell. And guess what? It's not. It's not the beginning of the end. It's not even the, the pre-show of the beginning of the end. It has not. Right now, the, the big scoop, the big story which Politico got is that uh, special counsel Bob Mueller may have subpoenaed Donald Trump to appear before the grand jury. So then you've got Donald Trump. He'll be speaking on the record. He could be, uh, he could be caught in a perjury trap here if he speaks loosely. And that what Politico is reporting is, quote, since mid-August, he may, uh, Mueller may have been locked in proceedings with Trump and his lawyers over a grand jury subpoena in secret litigation that could tell us by December whether the president will testify before Mueller's grand jury. Okay, maybe this is true. That could be the case. I don't know whether it's true or not. Um, what I do know is it's not the beginning of the end. <laughs> it's not the beginning of the end because I just don't believe it anymore. I sort of believed it the first 7,000 times they told me this would happen, and then it hasn't. They are just making money. As Jon Stewart says, they are raking in money on this hysteria, but the hysteria is false. I talked to my friends on the left. You know, I've been traveling around the country doing these speeches, and when I stopped by New York, I was talking to my friends on the left, and I couldn't believe that they actually believe this stuff. They actually believe that Trump is doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin. They don't know anything about the Russian, but they just believe it because they heard it, because it's breaking news and it's the beginning of the end. They believe all of it. It isn't true. They're milking you to get money. Don't buy it. So we'll see what happens. President Trump might have to appear. You know, the reason we haven't heard a lot from Mueller until today is that you're, you're really not supposed to release Uh, damaging information about political candidates before an election. This is longstanding DOJ practice. It's why the Democrats were very upset at James Comey uh, before the 2016 presidential election, is that he came out to cover his own rear when he thought Hillary was going to win, and came out and said there are some more questions about Hillary Clinton. You're really not supposed to do that. So Bob Mueller has thus far honored it, But you do have to wonder, how does this story come out today, just a a few days, six days before the midterm elections? Uh, Maybe it was just regular shoe-on-the-ground, old-fashioned reporting from Politico. Maybe some people are leaking some things. I I don't really know. The timing is a little suspect, though. Either way, we'll see what happens. It'll be more great TV. We'll all tune in to see Trump uh, testify, and it won't be the beginning of the end. I am telling you that. So, Uh, Right before we go, I have to point out that uh, so far, Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who testified against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, who we were told had nothing to gain from testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Nothing to gain, everything to lose, nothing to gain. She's made a million dollars on this whole charade. She's made a million bucks through GoFundMe accounts. She's now getting book deals and book offers from people. She's making a lot of money on this whole thing, but she's not the only one. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh has just been offered through a GoFundMe campaign $600,000. Why? I have no idea. He's a federal judge. He has enough money. He paid off those baseball tickets on his credit cards that Democrats were giving him trouble for before they decided to invent ridiculous sexual harassment claims. But they're offering him this money on GoFundMe. I really love this story. One, because it's absurd. Why Why are either of these people getting money on goat? Why are you, who works for your money, giving money to this college professor with 17 different stories about how Brett Kavanaugh looked the wrong way at her in 1742? And second, even, even more insane, why are you, presumably conservative people, giving money to Judge Kavanaugh? He has enough money. He's a federal judge. He's He's doing just fine. Why are you doing that? It's... One, it's because we're too rich. Two, it's because we feel that this is the best way to express our political point of view. This is a way that we can express our political beliefs and that we can engage in political speech. And this is my favorite part of the story. Because after this, after Christine Ford makes a million bucks on her stories, after Brett Kavanaugh has to refuse $600,000 because it would be a gross ethic violation, so that money is going to charity, I never want to hear a left winger complain about Citizens United again. I never want, you know, we heard all the way up to Barack Obama, Democrats complaining, money isn't speech. Money isn't speech. Citizens United was wrongly decided because money isn't political speech. Then what are these GoFundMe campaigns? Charity? No. You're you're not donating because they're destitute on the street, because of your Christian charity. You walked by these two bums when they said, please spare a little change, sir. You're doing it because of your political point of view and your political advocacy and because they're advancing your political agenda. It's political speech and it is the perfect distillation of money being speech. We all know that money is speech. Some people who are pretending otherwise no longer can pretend that way. And I will point out Justice Kavanaugh is giving all that money to charity. He, he's not going to take that money. It would be wrong to take that money. He's refusing it. And the guy who organized the GoFundMe is donating it to charity. Where's Christine Ford's money going? Where's that million dollars going? Where, where's her book deal money going? Is that going to charity? Uh, something tells me not. We'll have to see. All right. It's time for me to go finish my beer because I like beer. And even after this show, I still, I still like beer. Sometimes I drink a little too much. Sometimes I go a little too long on my podcast. You ever go too long on your podcast? Audience, do you? Do you? Uh, make sure you get your mailbag questions in. We'll have that tomorrow. In the meantime, have a very happy Halloween, and I will see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Real. executive producer Jeremy Bory, senior producer Jonathan Hay, our supervising producer Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and Makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.